Good morning, beautiful people of God. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona on Hot 1027, and I hope that you had a great new year and that this first week has been good to you. For myself, I had a very good new year, but I've been thrust back into the middle of work and the things of the earth far too quickly for my liking. I would have loved to have spent more time gazing at the crib and the wonder of God coming to dwell on earth as one of us. Now, yesterday we celebrated the Epiphany, ending our Christmas season and beginning the season of the Epiphany, which ends at the presentation of our Lord at the beginning of February, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. The readings during this season focus on the manifestation of Christ to us as human beings, to the world and to the whole of creation. And it has been suggested that in them, if we listen very carefully to the readings, we catch a glimpse of the cosmic dimension of the work and achievement of Christ and that they express the challenge for all Christians to reveal this truth, the truth of Jesus, through our own lives. Over the next few weeks, we're going to move through the Magi coming to adore the baby Jesus and that we're looking at today. We're also going to look at the baptism of Jesus today. Then we're going to look at the call of Philip and Nathaniel, the start of Galilean ministry, healing in the synagogue, and the good news spread to the whole of Galilee. So that's over the next few weeks. As we journey together through Scripture, I pray that we won't just listen to God's Word, but that God's Word would transform us. So let's start then with the visit of the Magi to adore the Christ child. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. And so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you found him, bring me word, so I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. We're in the season of Epiphany, and it started yesterday, and we've started this morning by looking at the visit of the Magi to worship the Christ child. So what do we learn through that reading? The first is, and I think we all know this, that Jesus was born in the time of King Herod in Bethlehem. And King Herod, of course, being a king, considered himself God as well, so any talk of another king being born would have caused great consternation. And it called for immediate action, obviously elimination, because he didn't want any competition. And we know that is exactly what he did. When he couldn't find the Christ child, when he realized the Magi tricked him and gone home via another route, he had all the children, and all the male children under the age of two killed. Now we also learn that wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. These were obviously learned men. And it's interesting for, for me to note that we always put the three kings there, but we actually don't know if there were three. Um, we are just told that men from the east came. 
We also don't know if they were Jewish or not. And this is something that I think we need to to think about, but it's not that important to me. Um, Some people have argued that they were Jewish, that they came from the house of Daniel and under Daniel's tuition. But others have said if they were Jewish, they would have called um, Jesus um, their own king. They wouldn't have said the king of the Jews. They would have said our king. And also they would have known from the prophecies that he would have been born in Bethlehem. And clearly from this reading, we find out that they didn't know where he was going to be born. So they also then um, ask openly, and I think this is important for us to note, that they're very open about their mission. Where is this child that we've come, the king of the Jews, that we were following the star? King Herod, of course, calls his chief priests and scribes and learns that it is prophesied the child will be born in Bethlehem. So he secretly, we're told secretly, sees the wise men to find out from them um, when the star appeared, and that's obviously so that he can get rid of this person. And he says, you know, I will go and pay homage to this child. So please come back, go to Bethlehem, search earnestly for this child, then come back and tell me where the child is so I can also go and pay homage. The wise men set off to Bethlehem. They find the child. And what I love is that their first response is joy. Their second response is to kneel down in front of the mother and the child and pay homage. And the third is to give their gifts. But their first response is joy. And I think perhaps if we come before God with that joy, each time we're coming into Obviously, we live with God all the time, but each time we're coming to a period of prayer, imagine if our first response is joy. Now, whatever your thoughts on the wise men, I learn a lot of things from them. What I learn is that they noticed the star, and we need to be looking for God's signs. I think God speaks to us all the time. We just sometimes don't, we're not aware of it, we're blind to it, we're not awake enough. So we need to awaken to God's movements and God's communicating with us. And they, of course, recognize the sign, the star, and they follow the star. They recognize that God is calling them to something different. And so they follow that star, and they even know what that star means, that there's a child that's been born that is king of the Jews. They then prepare for the journey, and it would have been a long and uncomfortable journey, not in a limousine, not in comfort with air conditioning, um, obviously with the dangers of robbers on the road. But they do prepare, and they take gifts with them. So they take the gifts that they're going to present And the reward is that in their obedience of setting off and facing the dangers, going through the challenges, taking the gifts with them, their reward is that they see the baby Jesus. Now, for me, I find the wise men very encouraging as we reflect on our own journey and as we embark on this new journey of 2024. I think we need to be like them. We need to open our hearts, our minds and our eyes to to the signs of God but also to have the courage to follow where God leads, even if we don't know the end. They clearly didn't. They went to Jerusalem and then had to be redirected to Bethlehem. The road can be long and hard at times, but the reward is huge when we travel with Jesus because Jesus is with us wherever we call to go. And God does communicate with us. For the wise men, God spoke to them through the star, through Herod and through a dream. God communicates with you and I in many different ways. We just need to be aware and open and willing to follow where God leads. And of course, they bring gifts for the Christ child. And we bring gifts too. God has given us gifts to use to grow his kingdom here on earth, to reach people for God, to reach out in love and care. And so we also need to bring those gifts and offer them to God and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And so this year, if we don't do anything else, I hope and pray that we'll use our gifts to bring healing, to bring love, to bring courage, to bring hope, um, to bring 
just joy to people of God as we journey with God through this year. And so I just I just hope and pray that that is what we we take from these kings. And when we're struggling, remember all these wise men. Remember that they also must have struggled on that journey. And yet they remain steadfast following the star. And God will light the path for us too. I've looked at the epiphany um, through the eyes of the wise men. And they were obviously looking for the Christ child. And they went to visit the Christ child. They were filled with joy when they found him. They paid homage to him and they gave gifts to him. I want to move now to Jesus' baptism, which obviously we know the baptism marked the start of Jesus' ministry. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1 first. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. So today, of course, we're reading about the fulfillment of the prophecy from the prophet Isaiah that this person would come preparing the way. And John the Baptist is the messenger going ahead of Jesus and crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John proclaimed a baptism of repentance be told for the forgiveness of sins. What is amazing for me when I read this, and I think sometimes we just gloss over it, is that we told all the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in what we know is a muddy river, the Jordan. Now, why am I saying this is amazing? What would have drawn the people to him? Would you have raced out to see some person dressed in camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey, proclaiming a baptism of forgiveness, um, calling you to repent and turn around? Would you have just believed him just because he was out there? Would you have raced to see him in the discomfort of that surrounding? And would you have been prepared to be baptized in that muddy river? And the answer is, possibly we would have been a bit more skeptical. But... But his message carried the authority of God. And for me, I believe that is what drew the people. When we speak with God's authority, when we live from a place of communion with God, people feel it. So the River Jordan, as I said, is not a clean river, yet people race to be baptized in it. And John, of course, chooses to wear uncomfortable clothing, eat locusts and wild honey. I'm actually okay with the wild honey, but I'm not sure I would be prepared to eat the locusts. I suppose if I was hungry, I would. Um, and camel hair clothing could not be comfortable. But John knows his place. He doesn't pretend to be more than he is. He doesn't claim to be the Messiah. He knows exactly what his purpose is. And he states very openly that Jesus is more powerful than him and that he isn't worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals. John knows full well who he is. He knows his calling. And I think this is a reminder for us not to try and be something we aren't. A reminder to be humble and do what we call to do from a place of grace, 
recognizing that it is God within us that enables us to do the work that we're called to do. And that's what John did. He didn't try and claim anything. He didn't even keep his disciples, we know, in the end. He sent them to Jesus to ask Jesus, who are you? And um, Jesus, of course, then gives the answer. But that's right at the end of John's life. Here we are where he's preparing the way for Jesus. And we know that he's about six months older than Jesus. We know that from the scripture. And so he is doing what God is calling him to do with grace, with love, with courage, with vigor. And he's not trying to use that power to take power away from Jesus. He states that Jesus um, will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And you and I know that this is true. Jesus then comes to be baptized, and as he's coming out the water, the heaven is torn apart. The Spirit descends on him like a dove, and a voice cries out, You are my Son, my Beloved, with you I'm well pleased. Now I'm going to just look at those first two um, sentences, if you like. You are my Son, my Beloved. If we um, look at our journey with Christ, I think we need to hear those words as we begin 2024. You are my child, says God. You are my beloved. I can't answer whether God's well pleased with us or not because judgment is God's. But I think God is always with us. God does love us. We are God's beloved. And it's wonderful to know that we are children of God. Jesus reassured us that, that we are co-heirs with Christ. Paul says that. But Jesus also said, I no longer call you disciples but friends and that you know my business and you are in me and I am in you. And so we have this wonderful privilege, a wonderful privilege of being able to hold those words in our hearts through whatever we may face in the year ahead. You are my child, says God, my beloved. And I think those are beautiful words for us to carry and hold in our hearts as we traverse 2024, just to remember who we are and that God loves us. Now, during 2024, we can also learn from the wise men as well as from John. We need to use our gifts for God. We need to be open to hearing God and following God's direction, trusting God even when we can't see the way in which we're going. We need to know who we are and we need to be leaders of the people of God, sowing God's grace and love and forgiveness in the lives of all those we meet and enabling them to be baptized in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that 2024 will be a blessed year for you as you journey ever more deeply with God. May God bless you to wrap up this morning, Spirit of the Living God, and let the Son of God enfold you. Thank you so much for listening. And may God be with you. If you need to get hold of me, you can do so at shona at hot1027.co.za.